Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome to another edition of Small Doses. You know, we really don't get a lot of athletes on the show. We really, I feel like that's an underserved part of our conversation for our community. But today, uh, <laughs> We have we have switched that up, and we are joined by Coach Extraordinaire Miss Sydney Carter, formerly, formerly of Texas A and M University, now yes. of the University of Texas Longhorns. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> yes. So you went from got, the- <laughs> I, you know I'm I'm wearing my Aggie ring, but I'm I'm hooking them, so I got a little bit of both going on. <laughs> well, let me just tell you some backstory on me and Texas A and M. I performed at Texas A&M like five times in two years uh, from like 2003 to 2005. I was at A&M so often I had a whole man at <laughs> A&M. I even know the fight song. So varsity's yeah. <laughs> Woo! Like, I mean, it was an experience. And, um, but, you know, a lot of folks became aware of, you know, the work that you do, not even based on the work that you do, but (laughs) which is so irritating for black women because it feels like so often our, um, it feels so often that our flowers are given to us by nature of somebody else trying to strip us of them first. So for y'all who don't, for those who don't know, um, Sydney Carter is a former coach at Texas A&M and now at the University of Texas. And she like took over the internet when she wore some fly ass pants <laughs> to a game. Some fly ass pink um, leather pants that people were just appalled by because how dare she look cute on the sidelines as a coach at a basketball game. I want to get to that later, but first I just want to talk about like your journey to even coaching. You know, I think that's not something necessarily that everybody aspires to who's been an athlete. Um, But it is always dope to see sisters in that position and particularly at a school that is, you know, so so big as Texas A&M. So how did we we get there? Uh, Yeah. So, I, I mean, I started playing basketball way back when I was four years old. I started on an all boys team was running circles around the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom obviously saw that this is something that I needed to do. Um, I've always been competitive. Uh, so then I went to to high school. I mean, I, middle school, I won all types of championships there in AAU championships on championships. Uh, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, high school took uh, my high school to the first ever girls basketball state championship. Uh, we ended up getting runner up there. Uh, because we were playing against two uh, Gumake sisters that went to Stanford that year, <laughs> the next year. Um, but uh, then went to A&M to play for four years, won a national championship in 2011, uh, and then went on to get drafted in the third round of the WNBA draft in 2012. Uh, played four years in the WNBA, then played seven overseas until I got hurt. Um, 
And then it was in that time when I got hurt, I really started thinking about how it's always been a passion of mine to coach and to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back to A&M just to kind of rehab my knee because I was thinking, okay, I'm still relatively young. Um, so I can, I can still get out there. I just need to get, get my knee rehabbed and taken care of. Um, and then I got to the point where, um, you know, in my journey of trying to get back mentally, I started to get a little bit defeated cause it was just tough. Uh, and I was closing in on what 30. was your injury in ACL? A meniscus, but it was a full meniscus. Um, and so I did stem cell and plasma injections instead of surgery. Uh, okay. So it was a really, um, it was a really tough process because I had to do nothing for 11 months. Right. Um, and so once I tried to get back out there and uh, train my body to just be back used to working out tough and, you know, just putting all those miles back on my body, um, I realized I didn't want to wake up and put the same amount of, of energy and effort that I used to, to, to play at the pro level. Um, and that was when I decided I can't cheat the game that had already given me so much. Um, so I went back to A&M rehabbed, got myself healthy. Uh, and then I talked to coach Blair about, you know, being on staff and, um, yeah, he, he let me back on staff and I just kind of took off from there. I mean, it was kind of like, all right, you're here, hit the floor, start teaching. (laughs) So yeah, now, now I'm here today. And so what was your coaching position at A&M and how has it shifted, if at all, in going to UT? Um, so, yeah, well, I started off at A&M as just the video coordinator. And so I, I did a lot of stuff with video highlights, um, helping our kids like send stuff into WNBA teams and everything, obviously, because that was my area. Uh, and then I moved to player development coach and then assistant recruiting coordinator. So I had my hands on all types of recruiting stuff, getting kids to come to our school, um, c- community service, housing. I pretty much did everything um, in this past year with A&M. Um, and then now, um, I'm actually coaching with a guy that was on staff during our 2011 national championship year. So I've, I've worked for two people that, that have coached me now. Nice. Um, but yeah, pretty much doing the same thing at Texas, uh, you know, doing workouts with the kids, probably going to be doing some community service and housing stuff as well. Recruiting stuff. I'm actually on a recruiting trip now. Um, so yeah, my roles haven't changed. I just changed <laughs> which school in Texas I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> what made you change schools? Um, you know, I, I just wanted to be somewhere where I was truly wanted and they felt like that was a home run hire. And uh, Coach Schaefer called me two days. They were playing in the Elite Eight against Stanford to go to the Final Four. And I, okay. they lost like a couple of points, probably a handful of points. And he called me two days afterwards and he said, I got to have you. And I said, OK, there's nothing else I need to think about. When, when do I start? <laughs> nice. A sought after queen. We love it. We love it. <laughs> what do you think? makes, well, what do you think made you such a successful basketball player? Um, you know, I just think it was my, my drive to, to be better every day. I never felt like, even when I was younger, I never felt like I could learn too much or I had already known everything. Um, and I think that that's what separated me. I mean, I, I was a defensive player. I I had a good offensive game, but defensively, no one ever had to coach my effort. No one ever had to question my character or what you were going to get from me every night. And I prided myself on that. Um, So I think it's what helped me actually have a a long or a a decent career in the WNBA, which is hard to do uh, because there's only 144 players. And even still, 
you know, wow. that number is kind of skewed because some teams hold 11 instead of 12 and there's only 12 teams. Um, so yeah, I just think that it was the fact that I, I had been, I come up through college and had all this discipline. Um, and I was built to last when I got to college and even, you know, from my upbringing, you my were mom, built to last. Yeah. My what mom do you mean? Raised me, <laughs> my mom raised me to, to be where my feet are all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I think, it, I think that's just kind of what separated me is I'm, I just, even to this day, I'm retired, but I'm still super, super competitive. All right. <laughs> I feel like that super, super competitiveness, like, it, does it show up in a game night? Like, are you the person in Taboo who's like not playing? Oh, <laughs> listen, I, I was actually playing a game not too long ago called In Cahoots. And oh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, what's the other game? I, I can't remember, but you kind of have to like guess like what the word is on yeah. someone's card. Ooh, I'm, I was about to get into an argument <laughs> with somebody because I'm giving them clues and they weren't getting it. But like, yeah, keep up, keep up. I'm a big, I'm a big spades player too. I was okay? going to say that was my next question. I was like, oh. you seem like somebody that I should not play spades with. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, I'll take some money in a second. <laughs> so when it came to going overseas, like what was that decision like, and where did you play overseas? Um, so I actually only played in two countries, but I played all over because my teams played in Spain, Italy. We played pretty much all over Europe. Uh, but I, my first one uh, was in Israel. That was my rookie year. I went to Israel. Super nice. Um, a lot of really Americanized, had a lot of American places to eat, learned Hebrew in these seven, the seven years that I was there. Yeah, I don't know it fluently fluently, but I know enough where I can, if somebody's talking to me, I can hold a conversation. And then probably after about 10 minutes, I'm like, all right, a little English. <laughs> um, and then Latvia was the other place, but, uh, yeah, overseas is not for everybody, but in the women's game, in order to make a, a good amount of money, you have to go overseas and play because the WNBA back then, it wasn't paying very much. I mean, now they have a new CBA, so they're getting paid a little bit more than I was when I played. Um, but back then, th- th- it wasn't there wasn't much money to give out, so you had to go overseas and go get you know double and triple and quadruple times what you were making, uh, depending on what type of team you played for. So, yeah, it was kind of something that I had to do if I wanted to continue to my to, to play professionally, and and I ended up loving it. It's not for everybody, but I, I loved it. Were there any challenges you faced being a black woman in these spaces? Yeah. Um, so I mean, because I can't I was, imagine. Well, I guess, you know, you can get your hair done in Israel. There's a lot of. A lot uh, of <laughs> I was doing my own hair. I figured out how to do my own hair. Um, you know, you're cooking your own meals, but I th- I won't say which place it was in. Um, but there was one time I was walking to practice and I lived near a, an elementary school. And at this time, I probably saw maybe three or four black people. I was one of them. And so, you know, the other ones are probably from Nigeria or something like that. Um, But a woman saw me walking and she held on to her kid really tight. Mm. And so, you know, I kind of just looked um, because I'm like, I'm still your kid. (laughs) Yeah. But at that point, I had been in that country for multiple years. Right. Um, So, you know, it's not like I was a foreign face around there because women's basketball is, um, you know, it's big overseas. And so, Mm. you know, if you're, if you're a star athlete over there, people know who you are, but yeah, she clutched onto her kid really tight when I walked past and I was just like, maybe it's because I'm black.
I just feel like, you know, the, the traveling as a black person has its unique um, challenges, but particularly when you're in a professional space, you know, I've definitely heard stories of folks that like, you know, we'll go to, and they'll end up in these like remote parts of China where people are coming up, like trying to like wipe the black off of you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you talk about Latvia. I consider myself a fairly worldly person, but I don't really feel like I know anything about Latvia. <laughs> yeah, where is um, Latvia? It's literally right next to Croatia. Russia. Oh, okay, okay, it's, okay. So like Russia's here, Latvia's there, and then Lithuania and like, you probably don't know where Estonia is if you don't know where Latvia is. Fair. But <laughs> all those are like in the right, same mix. Yeah, it's in the Baltic. That's, okay. that's the area. <laughs> okay. And then how did you end up in Latvia? Is it just like you get recruited and like anything else? Yeah. So you have an agent and my agent just called me one day and they were like, hey, this team in Latvia like needs your help and they, they want you to come play. And so I was like, all right, sure, let's go. And it was freezing cold over there. It was negative 17 one day I was walking to practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are you from Texas? Yes. I'm oh, from so neg- negative 17 is not a game. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I really commend you. It sounds like you just have a natural ability to pivot. Um, you know, that when things come at you, it's just like, all right, let's try this. Where do you think that came from? Because that's not something everybody has. No, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's because of the way that my mom raised me. Um, You know, she just, she just raised me to be able to figure things out, you know, never need anybody for anything. Um, You know, and just at the end of the day, like trust that God already has your path written out for you. So whatever comes across and it's, and you're stressed or it's a problem and you don't know how you're going to get through it it's already taken care of at the end of the day. You might not know how, but he knows how. Um, so I think that's, that's just a testament to how my mom raised me and, and all my siblings, because like I said, we're just built to last. If you come, if, if something comes up, go the other way, figure it out. <laughs> Is that something that you carry with you when you're coaching? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just think that Everything, I know that at the end of the day, when I'm coaching, I'm walking in my purpose because I have a piece about what I do every day. I I pride myself on my character not ever being in question. I pride myself on being able to give back, you know, to younger people because I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I made or to go through the same things that I went through. Um, and so I have this wealth of knowledge in my head every day. I'm trying to get it out because I'm a talker, as you can see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think that. Uh, with with everything that I've learned growing up, I just think that it, it solidifies that I'm truly doing what I was put on earth to do. So when it comes to coaching, like I asked you what makes you a unique player, but like what makes you un- a unique coach? Um, you know, I think obviously because I'm still in my early 30s, um, my relatability um, mm-hmm. helps me with the, the generation these days because, you know, they look for they look for people that truly understand them. You know, we, we live in a time now where mental health is a big issue, um, in our younger generation. Um, and, you know, just feeling comfortable in their own skin. Um, so I think, you know, just with the, the viral stuff that happened with my pink pants, a lot of people have been inspired by the fact that I'm, I wasn't going to change what I was doing just because people said something negative. Um, you know, but I also just think it, it helps to have somebody that has done what you want to do, um, create a safe space for you. 
Um, so I think that that's, that's what helps me. And I'm just authentically myself every day. I, I never felt like I have to cheat or to, you know, act like I'm somebody that I'm not, um, you know, just to get kids to talk to me or to feel comfortable right. around me. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just myself and I feel like that's enough every day. Is there anything that's like different about how you coach than how you were coached? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think I just, I'm a little bit more compassionate because back then I could get yelled at and say stuff and people can say stuff. And it was just like, okay, I'm just going to do better. Um, you know, nowadays you kind of have to figure out every person is coached differently. Back Mm -hmm. then that really wasn't a thing. It was kind of just like, look, this is what we're doing, period. That's it. And you still have to be that way. You still have to set a standard, but everybody is coached differently. Everybody is reached differently. So you just have to navigate, you know, the type of personalities and people that you have on the team. I mean, I feel like you've been doing a lot of interviews. (laughs) 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 Because your answers are like, As an athlete, you know, I was doing so many interviews, like after games, I'm coming off the court playing 40 minutes and now they're asking me questions. And so I feel like my whole (laughs) life has been interviews. (laughs) That's exactly. Yes, it's true. As I'm hearing it, it's very much like, so how do you think you're going to win that game? Well, you know, we're going to play. We're going to do our best. You know, we came out here and we really thought we had a vision and we really have, we really feel like we came together as a team. We did what we we came to do and we're going to do it again tomorrow night. All right. Thank you, Cindy. We're going to see you tomorrow. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, I mean, it's no surprise that like the best talkers seem to be the faces of the league whenever, you know, you start to see the, the, the stars that they're putting out there. Do you feel like that's something that's discussed with your players? Because I don't know, but I just feel like there's so much outside of just the sport when, you know, college players are playing that doesn't actually get addressed. And um I'm just curious to know, like, in terms of as a particular, as a college coach, like, how do you prepare your players, not just as, not just to be like full rounded players when they are going to be on professional teams, but like full rounded adults? Well, I think, um, you know, it's a big part of our jobs. Like we are their parents away from their parents. You know, they're sending their kids to our school in the hopes that like their kids are taken care of at the end of the day. Um, So I think, a lot of it comes with what type of, like I said, there's a standard that you have to set. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from the type of discipline that you're instilling. So a lot of the stuff comes from just being on the court and saying, hey, this is how we're going to do things because how we do anything is how we do everything. Um, so, so you, know, I think a lot of it comes from the discipline that you're coaching with and you're instilling in your in your kids when they don't really realize that that's what you're doing mm-hmm. um but then you realize it afterwards you're like I did I did this in college I'm you know I'm I can I can do anything after after that um and that cuz that's how I felt I felt like if I made it through what I did in college there's not anything in life that is going to be thrown my way that I can't get through so you know what it's was just difficult? part of our jobs what was difficult um, about your college experience it, it was just hard. Like nothing came easy. I, we had to work for everything. I mean, when you win a national championship, obviously some, some tough work was put into that. So it was just, you know, putting in those types of hours and just making sure like every day you don't take a day off. That's hard to do. Um, and so I think when you, when you work that hard and you exert so much effort every day, you get to a point where you're like, man, can I do it? Uh, I, I questioned that a lot when I was in college, like, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Um, and then when we won the national championship, 
it all became worth it. So yeah, it was just it was just tough trying to go to school, trying to play basketball. I was gonna say because I feel like it's right. (laughs) Because I, I mean, when I was like going to A&M all the time and I was friends with people who are athletes and, you know, just hearing about just the amount of effort they're putting into their athletics, I felt like there was, there was a lot of times the academics were just really like left out, you know? Yeah. And for a lot of folks, it's like, yeah, they may have been good, you know, but, but at the end of college, it was going to be the end of their sports career. And they didn't really, you know, have like, the career outside of sports to lean on. And it's like, how, as a coach, like, do you feel like that's also like an important responsibility to, to make sure of with these kids that they're balancing, not just athletics, but also like their athletics and academics? Yeah. I'm, I'm big on work life balance because I, I got to have it for my sanity. Um, cause we're always busy. We're on the road recruiting. We're trying to get scouts ready for games. You know, we're doing so many things at once, but we also have to be present for our kids. So I'm big on work-life balance, but I always tell students, you're a student before you're an athlete. <laughs> you came here to go to school too. And, you know, getting the two schools I've been at A&M in Texas, getting degrees from there and, and actually putting forth some effort into your, your academics you have no idea what type of doors that'll open up because you don't know whose hand you're shaking at a game after, after you've just played 40 hard minutes of a game. You don't know whose hand you're shaking at the end of the day who can help you, you know, later on in life and say, hey, I know the ball's going to stop bouncing, but I got a job for you after this. Um, a good example was when I finished school, I didn't know if I was going to be drafted because my senior year didn't go as good as my other three years prior to that. Um, so I was thinking I was just going to go into the, the real world. and. Uh, three of the top oil companies in Texas called my phone and said, hey, I got a job for you if you if you don't want to play anymore. What was your major? It was human resource development and business. And so I was like, you know, I was thinking I was just going to go back to school maybe and, you know, do some finance and do all this stuff. But when they called me, I said, hey, I got a backup plan. I can go right. to the WNBA. Um, but if I don't, now I have a plan because of, you know, just being able to take care of my business in school outside of just being an athlete. So speaking of your life outside of school, you know, the reason why you went viral is because of your fashions. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like if anybody's looking at you right now, like you're giving us very like standard women's basketball <laughs> player. You're giving me a yeah. ponytail, you're giving yeah. me a t-shirt. Like, so tell me about this alternate, you know, uh, fashionista Sydney that comes out and how, you know, and and honestly, like, did you even think twice about how you dressed when you came on the court? Or did it surprise you when people had an issue with it? It definitely surprised me because I had been posting my photos, you know, since last, last the year before when I first got the job at A&M. So this wasn't anything new that I was doing. But I didn't think twice about what I had on because... I, like I said, I had on a turtleneck and some pants. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, as long as I'm not revealing too much of myself because I'm at a basketball game and because the focus is on my team, I just thought that I was wearing a fly outfit like I did the nights before and I, that I was going to do the nights after. Um, but I, it just stems from the fact that like I take pride in what I do. So I want to look nice. And yeah. so I put my best foot forward every day because that's how I feel I can do my best job is if I feel at my best. And so I'm going to look my best every night. And if it's putting on those pink leather pants for breast cancer and a, and a cream top, then 
that's what it's going to take for me to give my best. And we won that game for anybody questioning <laughs> if we won the game. <laughs> have you had anybody internally say, had you had anybody internally question your outfits before? Never. All of the people that I worked with, inc- including our like top administration down to, you know, I hate to say the bottom because everybody does yeah. what they do and it contributes. But I mean, from top to bottom, it was every night, girl, you give it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I mean, was that always the case? Like, were you all, were you that person on campus that was giving them, giving them looks? Because there's always somebody on campus who's like, I know we're here in college. And I know we see each other all day, but I'm gonna give y'all a look every day. Always. I mean, Coach Blair, who was my coach at a he would always look forward to my outfits whenever we did like the banquets at the uh-huh. end of the season because he's like, well, I know Carter's going to have something nice on. <laughs> so it, it's just always been me to be extra because I don't feel like it's extra. It's just me. I love that you refer to yourself as extra, but it's like, but you know that it's not, it's, it's extra for everybody else because they ain't enough. Yeah, like that's y'all. Y'all can y'all can wear your khaki pants, but I'm gonna give you a little bit more, you know, flavor and panache. Would you Would you want to ever like head coach? Yeah, that's that's definitely my my ultimate goals. I wanna I wanna go back to A and M and head coach later on down in my career. I wanna Mm. go back to where it all started and turn around full circle. What is the biggest difference you feel like in terms of the? I mean, of course, you know, WNBA WNBA and NCAA are not the same and just obviously, but in terms of the energy, like what is the difference in working and and being in those two spaces? Um, I think WNBA, it's exciting, um, but we're like all adults. And so it's kind of like, all right, depending on what kind of team you're on and like the age threshold, it's kind of like, all right. I'm going to play hard tonight, but then tomorrow I'm going to kind of take it easy. In college, it's like people are playing hard every night because they're trying to make it somewhere. Like there's a goal. Once you get to the WNBA, that's as high as you can go. I mean, you you can go to the USA team, but like that's still a sector of the WNBA Um, because WNBA players are playing on the USA team. But like in college, you're going for something. And so just feel like the energy is different. My energy was was the same when I was on the bench of the WNBA and when I'm a bench on, on the bench as a coach now, my energy is just the same because basketball just excites me. But yeah, I think, I think that's the difference is you're playing for something when you're in college and you're playing for something in the WNBA, but it's like, I'm at the top now. So I've, I've reached my goal. So now I just got to get a little bit better every day. But in college, you're like, I got to get 1% better every single day. And it's so many other days you're working up to as far as, college goes. But you said basketball excites you. What excites you about it? Because I feel like the way I feel about gymnastics is how you feel about basketball. Oh my gosh. It, it makes my, my Look at world your face. Light up. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just, it's, I'm competitive and basketball has given me, I mean, basketball is the reason I'm talking to you today. So basketball has just given me so many things mm. and I never knew that it would take me, you know, across the world. I've seen so many different places and been so many places um, because of a basketball, because I was good at putting it inside of inside of a cream net. So yeah, it just it's just my thing. <laughs> I mean, I I'm always just intrigued by athletes who have committed their life to a sport. Because like for so many of us, like you know, you do some shit as a kid, and you're like, all right, that was my extracurricular, but 
to commit mm-hmm. yourself, you know, to a sport for your life. That that really is not just a unique thing. It's very similar for like artists. Like I'm a consummate artist. Like I'll always be creating forever, forever. I feel like you'll always find a way to like bring basketball into your life or into the space that you're in. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I have. I have a plethora of nieces and nephews, but all of them are going to get some Sydney Carter training <laughs> at some point. So at no point is basketball going to stop for me because it's just going to keep going down my family line. So do we, I mean, I feel like you have to figure out a way to meld these two, pa- these two passions. Like there needs to be like a fashion athletics, like situation, right? Yeah. So I could do I would love a Nike deal. <laughs> at first, when I was still at AM, I wanted to, to have an Adidas deal because I was wearing like cute. Some people don't know, but in practice, I even wear, like I wore to practice one day, uh, a pink like silk skirt that was Adidas with the Adidas top and some Adidas ruffled socks with some Adidas like colorful shoes. It was like a different color on each side of the shoe. But Ooh. that's how I dress for practice. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to step for a game. Right. Um, but yeah, I would love for Nike to call me. If you listen to Nike, call me. Shameless <laughs> plug. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would like to do other stuff with this just because I have so many cute ideas of what I just, I want to coach in. I'm comfortable coaching in a skirt. That's That's just my style. But I would, I would love to do something like that. Did you ever see yourself coaching men's basketball? Um, I actually had somebody reach out to me about that um, earlier in the year, or not early in the year, but kind of later on around the second uh, half of the season. Um, but, you know, I think <laughs> once I went viral and I started to see, um, you know, the positives and the negatives, I was thinking to myself, I don't know that I could because of the maturity level that I don't know would be there. And mm. so at the end of the day, I don't want them saying my coach, my coach fine. That's why I want to play with her. I want them to play for me because I know what I'm talking about at the end of the day. Um, and so that would be my reservation. Right. The maturity level. That's fair. I mean, cause yeah. that's a real thing. <laughs> my coach, she yeah. bad, she bad yeah. you know, that was for you. And you're like, yeah, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what were the positives that you got from folks? I mean, it's so easy for us to point out that people are stupid and idiots and they were saying negatives, but what were the positives that came out of this viral moment that you experienced? Um, You know, I just had so many people talking about how inspirational it was to see that like nothing changed. The the show must go on for me. Um, And so uh, a lot of people obviously saw that like, I was going to continue to be myself regardless. I'm, nothing about me was shaken because people had something negative to say. Uh, and I just appreciated all the the positive stuff that people had to say. Um, I think you reposted the photo of the girl, the little girl that came to our next game. And she had it from head yeah. to toe. She had her <laughs> white shirt on, her pink pants, and even jelly like sandal things <laughs> to try to, uh, you know, compliment the clear heels that I had on. But it's stuff like that that makes you realize the negativity doesn't matter. I'm doing something that people can can see because they feel like, okay, I can see that. Then I know that it's a place out there for me in that same thing. Um, and so that's that's what I chose to focus on. I turned them negative comments off. <laughs> nice. That's the only way to do it. You have to just like focus on the positive because the negative can be so loud, you know, just as as just a bright star in the sky, you know, you're going to attract, <laughs> you're going to attract so much attention. It's just what it is. It's just what it is. And I really feel like 
it's dope just seeing you uh, stand in yourself, stand on your own too, and and really just be unshaken uh, by all of that. Because at the end of the day, you're there to do a job that you really enjoy doing. You know, so many people are lacking like clarity in their passion and not, it's not even shade. It's just like, it's just what it is, you know? So to be able to know what your passion is and live and walk in that is, is such a gift and it can very easily get distracted by things that just don't matter. So kudos to you for sticking with that. And, um, I'm excited, you know, for you, for this new job, it sounds like you're very happy about it and it's gonna, it's gonna get you the returns that you want. We have a, a segment on the show called The Script where we give folks, you know, just some added information uh, that they can look into to get more insight into our conversation. So we're here talking about basketball, but we're also talking about fashion. So I want to know, like, what are your favorite brands? Oh, um, a lot of people have asked me that. And I don't necessarily have a favorite but so many people like ask where I got like my pantsuits and stuff like that. But I literally will go on to Instagram and I will just scroll and like stuff will pop up on my popular page. Ah. And I'll say, okay, that's cute. Or most of the time I'm like, that actually is not very cute, but I know if I put that on, I can, right. I can make it cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't have, I don't have like anything specific. Like I'm like, all right, I got to shop here for the next outfit that I need. Like I just, but I, I like that you get your inspiration. It. Yeah, you get you wing it and you get your inspiration from a bunch of different sources and you make it your own. Yeah. Um, so actually, since I'm at Texas now, I wanna I hope I'm not butchering her name, but her name is L'Oreal Sarkeesian. Um, but she's the football coach's wife. Okay. And I'm sure she's much more than that. So <laughs> let me not just say that's all she right, is. But, but that's what you know own. of her at this yeah. point. But I found her on Instagram because she stepped out in this bad outfit for one of the football games. And and I just, I, I honestly, I hope that I get to meet her while I'm on campus because she has been an inspiration to a lot of the stuff, um, you know, that I, that I, that I wanted to wear this year because I saw her in it. So um, if I had to give like a, fra- a favorite person, she's by far my favorite. All right, Lori Sarkeesian. I was I was trying to Google her to L- see if Lori could... L'Oreal, I think. Oh, L'Oreal. Yeah, Lori L'Oreal Sark, and it's like S A R K I S I A N. Yeah, she she stepped out in a in a black. Oh, Laurel um, Laurel Sarkeesian. Yeah. yeah, L'Oreal L'Oreal. Yeah, there she is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh I want to see this this fit. She oh. had a she had a black hat on, cowgirl hat with a white. <laughs> fringe top on and a black sheer skirt and I said oh Ooh, that's it that's yeah, yeah. she's killing it <laughs> okay I didn't realize she was a sister yeah yeah oh, yeah you got it yeah y'all got to team up yeah. Y'all got to team up. She is giving us fits, honey, on the sideline. Yeah. Yes, in the end zone. Okay. I love a good look. I love a good fashion, you know, and I love seeing it in spaces that are, I don't know, just considered to be um, predominantly like masculine. And, you know, I, I even love seeing the 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 men's players when they started bringing out the fashions, right? When they started making the rule that you can't just show up in a, in a, in ball shorts anymore. Like you got to come with a fit. Um, because let me tell you, style is, 
style is is for black folks is a whole other thing than just putting on clothes. And I mean, it's yeah. a part. It's been a part of revolution. You know, like the Panthers are known. The Black Panthers are known just as much for their berets <laughs> as they yeah. are for you know the work that they were doing in the community. So I commend you. I think sometimes we we are you know find ourselves in a unique place when just us being ourselves ends up being the thing that like breaks the wall down, you know, like you literally were just wearing an outfit (laughs) and it made people say, Oh, we got to know more about her. Yeah. And you know, you brought, you bring up the, the player, the NBA players now and they're getting their pictures taken as soon as they walk in the, the gym and nobody ever says anything about their, sometimes those outfits look ridiculous. Okay. Fair, Fair. But Nobody ever says anything about that, but then I they make a whole spectacle about what I have on. And so it's kind of just like, at the end of the day, that's how, to me, I saw it as, okay, this is a sexist thing at the end Absolutely. of the day, because nobody's talking about what the men's coaches are wearing. They're, they're, you know, men's coaches, most of the time now, they're wearing their quarter zip and some pants and, you know, they're comfortable, but that's what men are comfortable in. Nobody's saying anything about them though, but they're telling me I can't wear heels on the floor. Like I'm the first person to ever wear high heels to a basketball game to coach it. Um, so yeah, it, it just, that was one of the, the most glaring things that, that point that were pointed out to me was because like, you guys don't say anything about the the men that are going and making a fashion statement every day at their games, mm-hmm. because that's their place of work. They want to look nice that right. whatever they choose to wear is what they choose to wear, but nobody, y'all, y'all had something to say about me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's also just the fact that, you know, you were dressed in a fat, you were dressed in a, in a manner that they felt is reserved for only one particular area for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you look bad. That's really the issue. (laughs) The issue is that you look really good and it made them uncomfortable, (laughs) you know, and they, they're like, no, we're here to watch a basketball team. We're not here to like, you know, and I don't even necessarily meaning like that they were, were sexualizing you, even though they were absolutely doing that. But I think there's also just the idea of like, you you looking so good and feeling so good about yourself made them feel bad about themselves. And that's not 100%. your problem. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And I can guarantee you everybody that was at that game was watching the game because it was a great game. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I think that's that what that's what I love to hear is just like you being unmoved and unshaken in the fact that you're gonna be you. You know, you know that you're operating from a place of character. You know that you're operating from a place of respect for the game. And so anybody else who's detracting from the game to discuss your outfit, they are the ones who are actually disrespecting the game. What yeah. should have been happening is a discussion about the fact that y'all won and how, you know, and how did y'all win? And if yeah. anything, and if you were a part of that conversation, then it becomes, you know, what is Sydney contributing to this team that's got us winning? Right. Yeah. So well, we know you're contributing more than fashions. Okay. Yes. We know that you are not just contributing the fashions. Um, I would like to point out that I did play on the NBA All-Star team in 2019. <laughs> in the Celebrity All-Star game. Uh, you know, uh, and I just was very um <laughs> I had a bit, I had a struggle of a time. I had a struggle of a time. You know, it's one thing when you're practicing outside, you know, you feel real like, yeah, I could do this. Honey, then when the lights come on, when the lights come on, I I froze. Girl, I needed you back then. 
Well, I could, when you said you're into, did you say, was it, was it volleyball? You said gymnastics. Now when the lights come on for for (laughs) gymnastics, I can't even do a cartwheel. So I'm going to leave that to you. Fair. Well, shout out to my coach, Sue Bird. Uh, she was my coach that year. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so we were just sitting on the sidelines laughing. Because at a certain point, at a certain point, Quavo was was really the one who was trying to coach the team, right? Like Quavo was like, hey, coach, I don't understand this lineup. What's going on? Sue was like, I mean, why are we this stressed about the celebrity all-star game? But you know, <laughs> they were in there, they were focused, and um, and I knew. I was like, all right, I know, I know I'm not gonna really be able to to do what I need to do on this court. So when they did the introductions, <laughs> I did a round off back handspring. So I still there brought gymnastics to the court. <laughs> I found a way. I did have a I, I had a defensive play. So then since that's your, you know, that's your pocket. I had a defensive play. I had a steal. I had a steal. But you contributed something. So that's so that's good. That's a, that you did your part, played your role. Thank you. We all have a role to play. We all yes. have a role to play. Well, Sydney, continue to keep playing your role. You know, it's dope to see you doing your thing and moving around and pivoting and really just showing an example, not only in being yourself, but also in that when when life throws you, you know, new challenges or new opportunities, you know, take it, try it. Yeah. I think a lot of us are always so fear, fearful about the unknown, about uncertainty, about, you know, what could happen. And oftentimes it's like, just try it. If it don't work, try something else, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and that, that to me is, is a real gift that your mom gave you in terms of like building you up to know that whatever's coming at you, you're going to be all right. Yeah. I'm going to be all right. I'm still, still here and in the job transition. Nothing is certain right now, but I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. Well, thank you so much for talking with us here at small doses and have a good season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No doubt. Starbanks Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.